Hi, welcome into the Irish NFL show presented by Cassidy Travel. Um, week seven, week seven. Uh, welcome into everyone watching. Seven weeks into the season, Michael McQueen, Colin Cronin, Mark Cockrell, Brian O'Leary. Um, Colin, start off with you. How's the form? How are you getting on? Good, yeah, we're one third of the way obviously through the, the season and there are a host of games this coming weekend that I think are real coin flip games. So I think it's going to be interesting to see who people pick and the reasons for those picks. How's it going, Brian? You all right? I'm great, guys. Looking forward to the start of a, another exciting weekend. Big game tonight, Saints and the Cardinals want to whet your appetite for what's Looks like, as Colm said, a big weekend ahead of games and interesting subplots to get through tonight. Yeah, very interesting to see who everybody picks in these little games that are very low. If you look at the point spreads on some of these games, they're very low. It's very hard for the bookmakers to separate them. They'll be separated tonight, I imagine. Mixed opinions here, I guess, at some stage. I'm sure there will be some controversial moments, as always. Uh, Mark, for everyone listening, obviously welcome in. For everyone listening or watching this live, uh, especially in terms of Thursday night um, everybody apart from me went with the Cardinals I went with the Saints so that podcast is available now but uh, a warm welcome into you yeah thanks Michael um, you know of course this is NSYNC week in uh, the NFL because for the first week we have bye 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 with four teams having a bye so uh, unfortunately for us those teams happen to be the Bills and the Eagles who have been two of the best teams in the NFL and the Rams and the Vikings who even if they haven't been the best teams are always entertaining in what they're going through so um, that that removes some of the games and some of the quality this week but you know allows us to use our pop culture references Michael I know you're a big big NSYNC fan big JT fan Big NSYNC fan. Let's trust the big NSYNC fan today as well. Bye, 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 bye. Anyway, uh, let's get into it. We're going to quick fire four games. And the first game we're going to look at ahead of week seven of the season is a game that's on Sky Sports this week. The, the Sky Sports went with the Niners against the Falcons last week. This week they're going with a different game. The Browns at the Ravens. Um, both teams lost in week six. And Colin, this is a really intriguing game because the Browns have not had a, you know really poor start to the season they've found a way at certain weeks the Ravens have a shocking defeat last week against a Giants team which we'll talk about in a bit um, which just bl- I watched the game back just blitzed them and, and Lamar Jackson couldn't cope so that's concerning if you're a Ravens fan going forward isn't it yeah, well, I mean, the divisional game in the division where no team has a, a winning record. So, and it, certainly the way in which the Ravens have ended games is a, a huge concern. Uh, so uh, a tweet, Jay Trotter, who said, the Ravens are the first team in NFL history to hold a double-digit lead in each of their first six games and yet not have a winning record. Uh, it is quite, quite something when you uh, consider... Where, where they have been in games and how they have managed to to lose it in almost in different ways you know i mean uh the obviously the, the giants putting incredible pressure on lamar the dolphins with this phenomenal kind of um offensive resurgence to to get the the win but this i think is absolutely must win for the ravens more so than the browns because the the ravens come into it having their their qb in his contract year there is um you know 
expectations and Ravens fans, Har- Harbaugh has done a phenomenal job there. But you could see in terms of Marcus Peters, who uh, likes to let his emotions show on the, the field um, and hasn't taken the Justin Jefferson lesson where, you know, you need to keep your emotions in check. Um, but you can sense there is some frustration amongst the, the Ravens um, players and Lamar talked about it this week. And um, I suppose the if you're a Ravens fan, um, you're looking at it and the fact they haven't lost consecutive games to Browns since 2007 when Brian Billick was the Ravens' uh, head coach. So I am going to say that the Ravens are going to right the ship a little bit and they are going to get a hard-fought victory against the Browns. The Browns aren't a very popular team, really, early for bearing in mind what's going on in the off-season and taking the flyer on Sean Watson. And I know a few Browns fans. I actually spoke to them a few of them this week and... They're pleasantly surprised by what Jacoby Brissett has done. Like He's not the issue right now. Defensively, is the issue. And that's where, for me, it's quite a surprise because a lot of us felt that this Browns defence could do a job this year to hold them in a lot of games. And OK, they've lost a lot of close games, but the points in which they've given away, I mean, they gave away 28 last week, a lot of late points for the Patriots, 30 the previous week against the Chargers, 23 against the Falcons offence that's playing really well this season. They're giving up an average of 131 yards you know, on the run game, which last season wasn't what they were doing. And okay, the Ravens haven't got the best of run games. In fairness, Drake had a really good game last week. You know, bearing in mind the Giants won, he, he ran for over 125 yards. And Lamar, on his day, you know, he can, he's a very effective runner. He's their, he's their most explosive player, really. You know, if you look at the rushing yards this season, 451 yards, two touchdowns, he is their running back, essentially. Um, Jacoby's had a good season, but in this game, I'm with Colin on this. I think the Ravens. They gotta win this. The pressure's on. I think they'll rebound after last week and find a way to win. I don't think it'll be pretty, but I think they'll get get over the line. Yeah, the Ravens are finding amazing ways to lose games, aren't they? Um, it is quite, as Colin called it out, quite exceptional the way they've thrown games away in relation to it. Like Brian, I do know a couple of Browns fans. My my one of my the biggest Browns fans I know is a funeral director, and I think that really sums it all up and everything. He's used to. Uh, depressing circumstances, death and destruction. And, uh, you know, other than the, the the green shoots of hope that the Browns were springing up in the last couple of years, I think any of that goodwill, any of that joy of, like, seeing a once great franchise come back to life um, has pretty much been diminished for most neutrals with their actions during the off-season. Um, you know, to me, this is always difficult to call. It's an AFC North rivalry game. These games are usually very tight, whether it's Pittsburgh and the Ravens, whether it's, uh, you know, the Browns and the Steelers, the Browns and the Ravens and everything. These teams play each other twice a year. They know the schemes. They know the history. They fight each other, you know, to the death, Princess Bride style. Uh, And the problem, however, if you remember Inigo Montoya, is that the Ravens can win this game still fighting left-handed. The reality is they should they should, and that's the important word, completely outclass the Browns and get back onto winning ways. By doing so, they have to actually perform and show up in the fourth quarter. Every single metric, other than Justin Tucker's kicking ability, has dropped off the cliff for the Ravens. I do think they're a better team than what they've shown, however, in some of their defeats last in the last few weeks. And 
you have to give credit to the Dolphins for an amazing comeback. You have to give credit to the Giants last week for, you know, making the plays necessary and containing Lamar on both sides of the ball. Real good complimentary football. And the Ravens have too much talent. They've got too much, too good a head coach, much as I sometimes dislike John Harbour and his whining. Uh, he's a bloody good coach. Uh, and for that reason, this is their get right game. They will win this game. They will win this game by three touchdowns and really make a statement and re-energize their campaign this year to finally get Lamar uh, at least even into the FC Championship game. That would be nice, guys. You mean the Super Bowl this year? Um, I'm joking. The... the Championship game, Michael. Never even got to that level, as far as, as, far as I can remember, because he's never won enough playoff games to get to that. See, and, and, and that's that's what I was going to say. Like the, the, the expectation and the imagery of Coach Harbour in Baltimore is like that of the Messiah. And the respect that they have for him, they look at him in the same way that they look at Mike Tomlin, which is one aspect. Um, you can't cover over the cracks. Um, you know they've got a bottom five pass defense that ranks fifth worst in the NFL at the minute. They've got forty one percent of a third down conversion rate on their offense with the with the weapons that they have. It's just it's inexcusable. Last week for them. You know, everyone's slagging Green Bay all week and saying they've got serious issues. The Ravens had a, a had a decent lead in New York or in New Jersey last weekend, and no one's really talking about it in terms of the of the mainstream media. That being said, um, I think Week Seven this week is going to be the week that we see teams for what they're really worth. I think this game will be one of those, uh, and I agree with Mark. I think this will be a two or three touchdown win for the Ravens. I feel that the Ravens will stop the run on the Browns and I don't think the Browns have got the uh, assets or any sort of fighting them to take the Ravens far um, I still think the Ravens will considerably comfortably win their division but this week I'll, I'll take them to beat the Browns and that's my pick if the Ravens were comfortable with all the weapons in which we say they have they wouldn't be taking a flyer on Sean Jackson and bringing him in and signing him immediately so I don't think that they're comfortable with Bateman and Dubery or whatever way you want to pronounce his surname, he, last year he was a special teams player. Now all of a sudden he's been thrown in as one of their main wide receivers. They don't have an explosive threat, in my opinion, that can do it consistently. Deshaun Jackson's probably passed his sell by date, but he'll still get a chance to prove himself. But why would they, why would they be doing this if, they, if there wasn't panic, a certain bit of panic or concern around how well their offense is played outside of Lamar? They could lose the next 12 games on Harbour with Silver Job. That's the problem, uh, Baltimore. Uh, and eventually, uh, right, whether right that's next year or the year after, it'll come to. Uh, I mean, it'll come to. Has, I want to say he has won the super. He has won the Super Bowl, like, and he's coached a perennial playoff team uh, and absolutely, got them to... uh, absolutely. But there have been issues over the last two or three years, like big time. There was considerable discontent last year at certain points, and he was then given a considerably large new contract. And of course, there's a lot of respect there, and it's important for continuity. However. At the minute, in certain games this season, they have underperformed. Certain players have underperformed. Certain players have excelled. It just depends. But they'll win this game comfortably. In terms of, um, in terms of bringing in Deshaun Jackson, I mean, it's just like it's ridiculous. I mean, it's like the it's like the what the the merry go round. I'd love to see his stats. Can someone get his stats for like the last two or three seasons, please? Because I'd love to see it. I would go as far as saying he hasn't scored more than five touchdowns in the last five years. It's pathetic. I don't get it. Anywho, let's let's move on. Let's let's move on. Um, 
So we're all in agreement. So that that's a good start. Uh, Falcons at the Bengals. Uh, both teams. It's hard hard to believe. Colin, the Falcons are free and free. I think a lot of us, including myself, thought they would be bottom of their division. Um, looking at the stats, though, it's clear that the reason why they're sitting free and free and they're doing all right, their coach is coaching them to the absolute bollocks. He's flying high. Arthur Smith. Um, you know, and Brian Dable's probably the the runaway candidate at the minute for coach of the year. But if if the Falcons were sitting four and two. I think there'd be as much of a conversation about it. Marcus Mariota looks reborn. Uh, looks good on the offense. Obviously, they're relying too much on the run. But this is the Falcons team that have overperformed. But this this week, they're going into Cincinnati and going up against the Bengals team that, frankly, needs to win this game to go into a more positive record during the season. Yeah, I, I think probably the, the Falcons maybe maybe even more so than the Seahawks so it's close have um surprised right the Giants are up there as well but this is a, a team who nobody was kind of giving it a chance uh, before the season and remember they've also have 77 million in dead cap now they brought that on themselves in terms of Matt Ryan and trying to get Deshaun Watson but 77 million in dead cap and Arthur Smith is doing a, a heck of a job, you, you would have to, to say. They're especially on offense. They're going about things in a, a very different way. But overall, I suppose we're seeing, like, passing is down across the league this year. Points are down across the, the league this year. Um, and the Falcons are a team who have brought in a, a Russian QB. And they have found ways to, to win games. They're going up against, um, I suppose, a, a Bengals um, side, you know, um, who have struggled at times, but have found form over the, the past few games. And the Falcons actually have, um, you know, while they talked about the, the great rushing attack, their um, run defense has been really, really good, but their pass defense hasn't been. And that, I, I think, could potentially be the, the big difference in this. Also, one of the things that the Bengals have been doing that's maybe sneaky good, I saw uh, Warren Sharp tweet about this, is their um, third quarter defense has been absolutely exceptional. Um, they have 20, allowed 22 points in the last 14 games. So the adjustments that they're making um, at halftime are brilliant. If they're offense was even half as good at making those defense and that's the offensive coaching not the players um then they would be absolutely flying i think i think they will eke it out but at any i i do not expect it to, to be a blowout because i think the falcons are you know f- um gonna stick around i just think that jamar chase joe burrow are finding form at the you know at this stage of the season and they'll probably have enough Brian, I think uh, the Bengals are six and a half in the handicap, so one touchdown, give or take. I wouldn't be confident of that, regardless of your selection for this game. Well, the Falcons, like Colmus touched on there, they're in terms of their own game, they're the tour best run rushing offense in the league, but large part of that's down to the fact that Mariota is also contributing, like Lamar does for for um, for the Ravens. And he only threw the ball 12 times last week. So it's efficient offense. Let's not put ourselves in jeopardy. Let's not put ourselves in harm's way to lose the game or certainly put ourselves in position where we're having pick sixes or interceptions. And let's just play a methodical game and see how, how it goes. Um, they're tortured in the league, though, defensively. I know Colin has called out 
good against the run, poor um, in the passing game. And for me, in a passing game where, in fairness to the Bengals, the one thing they do do well is they've got explosive players. T against Tyler Boyd, Chase, uh, running backs on the day that can get out on the perimeter and take screen passes. And I, 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 that's where I see the, the down. That's where I see the flaw in this game for, for this uh, Falcons team. Can they live with this uh, Bengals offense that seems to be getting right? Um, I'm even looking at three defeats. Like we've been, I, me included, have been critical of the Bengals at times. But I looked at three defeats. Steelers on a field goal. Cowboys on a field goal. And the Ravens on a field goal. I mean, things could have been very different for this team. Teams swing swing other ways for them. But they're three and three. I'm with the Bengals in this game. I think it's too big an actor. A Falcons team that I have been impressed with. I didn't think they'd come bottom of the division. I predicted the Panthers to be bottom of the division. I felt they would surprise us and win more games. And they have done. But this is a bigger level now. The Bengals are a playoff team and we'll, we'll, we'll probably play like a playoff team and win this game. Uh, yeah, the Plugs of Bengals are a playoff team, but they've got to set the alarm clock finally. I mean, if we want a, a political reference to Liz Truce, why not? It's topical today. I mean, she should have woken up when she got the premiership. She should have woken up when the mini budget went down like a lead balloon. She should have woken up when she fired her chancellor. She should have woken up when Sula Braverman left. And she definitely should have woken up this morning when she's getting a tap on the shoulder and realized the writing was on the wall. The problem with this Bengals team is if it's the first half, they're still asleep. They actually play, and they, you mean talking about all the exciting talents they have, they actually look half asleep in the first half of games this year. It's a good thing they've got such a great third quarter defense because, frankly, they need it every time. They are almost exclusively playing from behind. And if they keep boxing themselves into that corner, it is going to be a problem. Now, do I think it's going to be a problem this week? Well, it could be because the Falcons is. Colin rightly called out, uh, you know, these both teams are both three and three. We didn't expect the Bengals to be this low, but we definitely didn't expect the Falcons to be this high. So, yes, huge, huge credit to Arthur Smith and to Marcus Mariota and that whole team. But one of the fundamental facts, I think, for both of these teams, it's all about the O-line. The Falcons O-line has actually been very good. And so good in the sense of protecting Mariota when he needs to be carving holes in the running game. And that is why the Falcons have been surprisingly quite a good offense. I think it's the biggest contributor as opposed to the skill players. And the Bengals O-line started the season like they, you know, just woke up from the Super Bowl the day before, even with the investments, even with the changes they've made. Over the last six weeks, have we started to see progress on that? Yes. Do they still need to get a lot better to be a proper playoff contender and potentially repeat their journey to the Super Bowl this year? Absolutely. But overall, do I think that, especially in Cincinnati, that they've got enough to handle this Falcons, surprising Falcons team? Yes, I do. Um, but never say never with these Falcons. They're going to be the surprise package, and I think we've underestimated them too much at our peril. Um, I will say this, though. Arthur Smith came out with a really interesting line, which is very true. He said, hey, you know what? You look at the stats. We've been blown off the field last week against 49ers. We were, you know, at yardage gains with huge gaps. And yeah, we ranked 29th against the pass and 31st against the run or whatever it was. He called and he said, but we do good situational defense. And you can say that's Ben don't break. You can say that's they get the key play at the key time. Generally, he's been accurate in relation to that. And they've been playing very united as a team. Um, but I can't see past the Bengals this week. I just think they have too much talent. They're starting to gel. They're starting to get the O-line. Just get the alarm clocks out and wake up in the first quarter for a change and make your life so much easier.
So much easier. Look at poor Liz. Come on. Thank you for that. Yeah, and that, the last thing I'll say about Liz Trust is somebody tweeted me saying that the Eagles have not lost a game while she was Prime Minister. So thank you for that, whoever your name was. appreciate that. Um, I think it's important to speculate, and well, not speculate, but just to note that the Niners team that the Falcons were playing last week were unbelievably banged up to the point where I'm actually concerned at the amount of people they have out. And we'll talk about this game uh, later on in, in, in this broadcast, but... Um, they should take their own bye and just let the Chiefs walk over them this week because the division that they're in, the joke anyway. I mean, we'll talk about that later on. The Falcons, though, they've, they've got a really, really good young core there with Drake London and Cal Pitts, and it was great to see Cal Pitts finally get a touchdown last week. Um, Mariota, as I said, looks more mobile, mobile, um, and the reality is it's Arthur Smith coaching this team and taking them past what they're actually able to do. They still need a long-term answer, a quarterback, in my opinion. And I think they've reached their limit. I, I know we've talked about it being a surprise. I think teams will start to find them out over the next couple of weeks. But they've done really well to get to this situation. They'll probably get another three or four wins this season. Maybe five. Um, and that's as far as they'll get. In terms of this game, the Bengals need to win. As simple as that. The game's at home. Burrow needs to go out and put a performance in. Run the ball. Get the ball down to Jamar. Easy as. This win will be a 10 to 14 point win for the Bengals. The next game we're going to look at is... The Giants against the Jags. Calm the Giants five and one. Jags two and four, I think, if I'm correct. Really intriguing game because we're coming into week seven. Um, Jags, who started out and well, had that game in LA, was it week three, week four? Looked really, really good. Have went off a little bit. Lawrence looked a bit rusty week four and week five. What's your thoughts on this game? Yeah, the, the Jags had a couple of good weeks and then some three really bad weeks in, in a row. And now I don't think last week was at all on Trevor Lawrence, whereas the week before had been. I thought he was quite impressive last week in, in fairness to, to him. And this would be a tough matchup. The Jags are the third fewest yards allowed against the run, which is obviously a strength for the, the Giants. The Giants top 10 against the pass. Uh, so you're kind of nullifying each other's uh, strengths there in in some in some ways. Um, we'll have to see, I suppose, how the the Jags can do on the the ground. Um, Travis Etienne came more into the game last week. He has yet to really have a, an absolute br- uh, breakout game. So could that be this week? We'll we'll have to to see. But yeah, one of the the things about it is, and this is um, where I think a testament to to Brian Dable's coaching, the Jags are two and four, but their point differential is plus 24. And a lot of that is because of that Chargers game. The Giants are five and one and their point differential is plus 14. So in close games, the Giants seem to get it done. Um, I I think for me, this could come down to uh, Foley Fatoukazi, uh, for the Jags and whether he is fit. He is enormously important to them against the run. If he is fit, they have a chance of shutting down Saquon. And if they do that, they will win. But we don't know if he's going to be fit. He's missed the last two. And if he's not in, I think the, the Giants will edge it. I'm going to I'm going to go with the Giants because they have the momentum. But I would not be shocked at all if the the Jags um, got the win but for me the Giants this weekend 
Michael, you touched on earlier on the fact that having watched the game back, you said Lamar was blitzed heavily in last week's game. 69.7% of all defensive players for the Giants last week was blitz-oriented players. And I imagine why, why get away from what works and that's what Trevor Lawrence is going to see on Sunday. And can this offensive line match up against it? This will be the first weekend in which the Giants have every defensive player available since the start of the season. And complimenting with Landon Collins making potentially making his second debut this weekend. He's going to play in a linebacker role as opposed to a free safety, which he did previously. Um, I'm struggling why, to see why I wouldn't pick the Giants. And yeah, I can see the concerns around Barkley, and they are very efficient up front in terms of trying to stop the run. And you look at Giants wide receiver core; it isn't great, but they're just finding ways to get things done at the moment. And that's where I'm going. I just think. Right now, who do I trust more? Do I trust the Jags team that have lost three in a row? And defensively, once they've been quite sound this season, they allowed Matt Ryan to go for it, to go up and down the field on them last week in the last five drives of the game. We're all scores. I know it's not reflective of what happened on Sunday, but right now you're asking which defense do I trust more? I think the Giants are more likely to shut the Jags down as opposed to them shutting the Giants down. think it'd be close. Still think going into the late in the fourth, it'll be could go one way or the but I just think the Giants will find a way to get get out of the line, get six and one. Do you know, it was that goddamn Eagles game. <clears throat> Quarter into the Eagles game, and the Jags were were up. They looked like a mean machine, and we were well, half into the Eagles game. They were still up. And we're looking at it going, hey, maybe we've had them all wrong. Maybe like we've been underestimating them still, even though they'd started the season quite well. And, of course, the Eagles came back, annihilated them in that game. Trevor Lawrence had his... I think that was the five turnover game with the four uh, four fumbles and the interception. Um, and they haven't looked the same since. And they've had, a, as the guys have alluded to, a couple of bad weeks following on from that. But, you know, if you're looking for hope for the Jaguars fan, I think there is a very clear one. Um, Travis Etienne has been had a couple of really solid games, pointing over 100 yards from scrimmage, whether rushing the ball or out of the backfield. James Robinson starting to find the end zone again. And if they can lean on that one-two punch at uh, sorry, at rush at running back, that is actually one of the weaknesses potentially in this Giants defense. They're ranking 28th against the rush. That That is potentially the soft middle you can exploit and maybe what the Jags have to pound the way at to, uh, to take advantage of in this particular game. Now, the reality is, this is there is one of the greatest streaks of futility that has ever occurred. The Jaguars have not beaten an NFC team for 18 straight games. In fact, you have to go back to 2018, incidentally the last time Deshaun Jackson had any decent stats, to find the scenario when they won. Who did they beat in 2018? The Giants in their season opener. So if you're a Jags fan and you're looking for omens, there's your omens, there's the benefit. But if you're a Giants fan, I'll share with you what I shared with Brian very recently, which is... The last two couple of times I've been watching the Giants, for the first time in about six years, I've actually had belief that they could come back into the game. Like against the Packers, I actually nearly texted him in London first quarter and said, I think you're still going to win this game. Against the Ravens last week, it was the fourth quarter. They were 10 points down, but it was like they actually could put two drives together and stop the Ravens and win this game. And as a neutral fan who doesn't love nor hate the Giants, even though I should despise them for the rest of their lives, for what they did in two Super Bowls. Um, 
the reality is I have not thought that for one second during the Daniel Jones era. I've not thought about that, about the Giants for six years, that they had any hope of coming back in games. It was, you know, inevitable they would crush to a feat. So the fact that they've turned that around in six games at the start of the season already indicates they're going in the right direction. I can believe in them that they're going to keep it rolling for another week. They're going to go to six and one. And uh, that NFC beast division continues to be uh, very, very, very competitive. Sorry, I was just uh, checking something. Uh, I agree with what you're saying, Ollie. I think it's it's a really intriguing game on Sunday because um, you've got two teams that have really improved on both sides of the ball uh, in the last year. Giants are going in the right direction. The Jaguars uh, finally have a coach which can help them take into the next level. Obviously, they go big in and Christian Kirk and Trevor Lawrence is starting to get decent reps and it's going to be a journey for them this season. Um, on Tuesday, I watched the fourth quarter of the Giants-Packers game and then I watched the game from last week. I think what Wink Martindale, Wink Martindale sorry, is doing uh, in terms of his aggressive blitzing and the aggressive defense is is excellent. But I also feel that it's a sign of a team that you know has its limits and a defense that has its limits. And I feel that um, the Giants could probably go in this weekend to Jacksonville and, and win very well if they blitz, blitz, blitz. But it's going to come to week eight or week nine, and eventually it's going to it's going to fall off the cliff. Either in two elements: one, teams will find out about it and find a way to stop it, um, or the most likely situation: two players start getting injured and thank god that hasn't happened for them and it's working very very well for them and i think the thing that is most impressive about the giants for me is they're utilizing their talent at every position and they're getting the most out of them and that's why brian dable at the minute will probably be um coach of the year um i think in terms of the offense i i just think on paper the jaguars have the better offense on its day they can get the ball down the field more than daniel jones can and the the weapons that he has in the offense and um, I do think it'll be close, but I'm going I'm to take the Jags by four, 4.5, 5 points in this game. Um, and I'm really intrigued to see what the defense will be like for the Giants. And hopefully they can just keep this up because they're going to make the neutral games more interesting to watch. And long may that continue. But uh, I've, I haven't fallen to five and two this week. Um, the next game we're going to look at is the Titans Colts. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone nodding agree. Uh, I genuinely call him at the, at the point of sitting here I can't pick a winner for this game so please put me in a good mood and tell me who to pick well I will say this is the only game this week featuring two teams with a winning record uh, so there there is that uh, to to um, I suppose whet the appetite but uh, Mike Herndon asked this question on Twitter and I'm going to ask you three gentlemen if the Bills are the best team in the AFC West and the Chiefs are the second best team. Who are Who's the third best team? Is it the Jets, the 4-2 and two Jets? Is it the 4-2 and two Chargers? Is it the 3-2 and two Titans, 3-2 and 1 Colts, the Ravens, the Bengals? Michael, third, be- third best team in the AFC. Mark. Mm. Ravens. Brian. I would probably say Mark on the side of Ravens as well. Michael. Statistically, well, the Colts are the best city. 
it's it's obviously not the Ravens statistically, but um, on paper, Chargers. I I I think you can make a, a fair case for um, all of them. Um, I, I mean, I, I think it'll be interesting to to see how it it shakes out. Um, I would say that it, you would be hard, probably pressed to. Um, to, to say any anyone because I think everyone everyone is struggling a little bit right now. Um but I, I do think that um Mike Vrabel has done once again a phenomenal job with uh the what he has at his disposal with the, the Titans and they have won four straight against the, the Colts. I think if the Colts could play in the manner of with the aggression that their owner showed this week when, in fairness, he showed uh, a solid backbone and came out and took a position against Dan Schneider and the ridiculous situation of his ownership of a billion-dollar, multi-billion-dollar franchise in the NFL, they would go a long, long way. I just don't trust the the Colts to do it. I'd love to to see the Colts pick the Colts to win the division, but uh, and I think. In fairness, Frank Reich has done a decent enough job there, but I don't trust their interior line. I, I think going up against a, a Titans D-line um, that even with the injuries has been impressive, I can see the Titans winning this. We had a conversation about three or four weeks ago. I think it was the weekend leading up to the Chiefs-Colts uh, game when I picked the Colts, and I we were all very down on Matt Ryan, how he was performing, and we all agreed that we expected much better from him. And I just said, we need to get a game where he doesn't get held down because the offensive line struggles, where he doesn't be sacked time and time again and see what his numbers were. And that was last weekend. He wasn't sacked once in the game, 374 yards, three touchdowns and a number of drives. And we can be, I suppose we can put it down to the Jags defence that was poor on its day. And I looked at defence defense in this game, and I know the Titans play one less because they've, they've had their boy. 11 defence against 12th ranked. The numbers are so close. Even if you look at the run defence, pass defence, they're so close. So, in theory, I should be picking the Colts. I'm picking the Titans because, like Colin, I don't trust the Colts from one week to the next to go in. And can see until we see a consistent performance week in, week out, we can take away the game in, in Denver the week before. And let's be fair, it was a shambles of a game for for both sides, unfortunately. Um, it's Titans for me. They're coming off the boy. Derek Henry ran for 122 yards, two touchdowns, two weeks ago in Washington. He had a good game when they went into Indianapolis. They've already played each other. Titans won that time. I think Titans will find a way this Sunday to win. It won't be pretty, but they'll get, get the job done. Um, we've talked about it earlier in the season. The Titans are nowhere near the team they were last year. They lost a lot of key contributors. They've lost a lot of talent, obviously, at wide receiver, but also in their defense. However, as Colin rightly alludes to, Mike Vrabel is coaching them up with what he's got. And the team we see now in week six, week seven of the NFL is a far cry from what we saw to start the season in week one, week two. And there are a few coaches in the league that their teams always improve as the season goes on. There are some coaches that they tend to regress with, um, but he is doing a phenomenal job and he's making the most of what he can do. I mean, it's a typical example when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Um, their linebackers aren't anything special. Their secondary is a walking liability. But one thing they do have still, in my mind, is a very strong defensive line. And that is the killer here because that defensive line will overwhelm 
still a porous Colts offensive line. Yes, they held off the Jags last week, and yes, they gave Matt Ryan an opportunity to stay upright, and God knows, even a hole or two for Jonathan Taylor to exploit. Um, but that's been their fatal flaw, and I still back the, on the Titans at home to exploit that. And yet, let Derrick Henry run, run, run away. Titans will maintain the whip hand in this rivalry. Well, Actually, do the Colts have to win sometimes to call it a rivalry? I'll just call it a divisional game. Uh, they'll maintain the whip hand in this regard, and the Titans will win this one. This is a huge game for this division down the stretch um, because you can't trust the Jaguars week on week, and it's going to be very interesting to see who wins this game. Um, for me, the Titans are the fifth worst uh, in passing offense in the league. They're nothing special they haven't been special in a few weeks and I understand they're coming off a bye but you know the Colts are averaging 349.8 yards per game in offense so far this season uh, and in, as far as I'm concerned if they can stop Derrick Henry on Sunday they'll win the game uh, and I think they've turned the corner somehow and I'm picking the Colts and I genuinely find it disbelieving that nobody else is picking them but I look like what? an idiot on Sunday night Whenever they win, the Titans. Michael, you only have to go back a couple of weeks for the Titans to beat the Colts. Like, let's remember this is the second time these teams are playing, so they've already beaten the Colts in Indy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, so I'm talking about this just is this the, week, o- like. the other alternative. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I get you. You're picking the Colts, fair enough. I but... think we were split. Was it two and two a couple of, a few weeks ago? I think we were split, weren't we? I can't remember. I think we were. Yeah, but uh, me, I. Yeah, I know. I, I, I think I, I was a lot higher on the Colts prior to the season beginning and yeah I was impressed last week by what Frank Ryan Frank Reich was able to to do um Frank Ryan I'm thinking of the bar in in Smithfield but I I just uh, overall I have been very disappointed and I can't get over that performance that they put in uh, against the the Broncos where they that game never happened Let's um, talk that it, game out of existence. It, it, the, well, the Titans it, are so poor in third down call. That's the thing. They're so poor. But yeah, both, both of these teams definitely have issues. And it, it, you would be very hard pressed, I think, to make the case that either of them will be a force in the playoffs. I think you only have to look at our selections on all the calls games this season. I don't think any of us picked them the night they went in December. I was the only one who picked them last week. There was other weeks when they got selected. There's inconsistencies there. We just there's no trust. There's no trust right now. They need to go on a run of two or three games for us to really feel the love again for this Colts team. Let's go quick fire. We've got four games to look at. Calm. Look at the Bucks, Panthers. Brian's gonna look at the Lions, Cowboys. Mark is gonna look at the Packers, the Commanders, and Michael is gonna look at the Texans at the Raiders. Uh, we know the score by now. Somebody talks about it, and we give one word. Anything more than the word, you're off. You're not coming back on again. That includes me. Go, Colm. You've got Bucks Panthers. Go for it. Uh, the the Panthers are almost at a fifty percent chance of the number one overall pick, which tells you where their season uh, is. And the Bucks need a victory, so I, I'm not going to even talk about that. I'm going to talk about a piece that came out during the week about Matt Rule's tenure. Um, that la- last year, Matt Rule went away on his planned bye week vacation when the Panthers were in free fall, having brought Cam Newton back into the fold just a fortnight before. While the former Baylor man went off for some rest and relaxation, Joe Brady, the then OC, spent his time in the building assisting the 2015 NFL MVP to pick up the offense in a bit to turn the fortunes around. Rule got back and fired Joe Brady. 
that that tells you all you need to know that was allowed to happen that is one one tiny bit of the dysfunction that david tepper and all his billions um have allowed to fester in carolina uh, it's gonna he may have cleared out matt rule and that coaching staff it's gonna take a lot longer to put the pieces back together tom brady and the tampa bay buccaneers will not need to get angry this week they are winning this game buccaneers he's buccaneers. he said buccaneers i I, I got there i said buccaneers <laughs> buccaneers Brian, who have you got? Game wise. Dak Prescott's coming back this week. Um, I'd expect we'll see an immediate reaction. Uh, CD Lamb hasn't had. He's, he's been okay. He hasn't. Like, I just feel the way they played his offense recently, it's very methodical stuff. You know, it's, it's geared towards Cooper Rush's ability. I think we'll see a more expansive offense. For the Cowboys, they're going up against a very weak defense in Detroit. Um, okay, they've had their bye week to reevaluate and get ready for this game, but I still think the flaws are there. I think with Dak back, Zeke Elliott's actually having a better season than people than people think. He's he had a good game last week in the second and a half, eighty five yards plus touchdown, touchdown the game against the Giants. Pollard is starting to hit the ground run, they're giving him more to play. And defensively, I mean I said a few weeks ago that the Patriots would shut out that Lions team. Um and I can see a, a manner in which the Cowboys could do this on Sunday. Michael Parsons eleven eleven sacks and eleven home games. Um they're very strong defensive digs will be looking to Get in there and get a few picks on Goff. I don't see this any other way than a Cowboys victory. Cowboys. Cowboys. Jerry. Mark, what game are you looking at? So I'm looking at the pack versus the commanders. And it's interesting with all the angst going on around Green Bay Packers and, oh, we're not winning and, oh, this is terrible and, oh, we've lost two games uh, in a row for the first time in Matt LaFleur's era. Um, All the attention seems to be focusing on Aaron Rodgers and the offense, Aaron Rodgers and the offense, and he's not syncing with his receivers. I mean, I want to draw attention to the fact that this team in the first three weeks of the season looked like it was going to be carried for a while on its run game and its defense. And, over time, Rodgers and the receivers would find a way to get it going. I actually think that's not the worst thing in the world, given that some of the balance that they've had a challenge with in Green Bay in seasons gone past. But you look at the last three games, the Pack have given up 24, 27, and 27 points to the Patriots, the Jets, and the Giants. And while I'm very admirable of the, the, you know, the renaissance in the Giants and the Jets and everything, you would not say they are three of the more high-powered offenses in the National Football League. The defense hasn't been holding its side of the bargain. And people will throw up the stats as like, well, they rank number one against the pass of defense, that they're the best third-down defense in the NFL. Great, but if you're giving up points on first and second down, third down doesn't do you much use, does it? So for all the attention on the offense, and yes, I'm very conscious of the fact they've scored 10 points on offense in the last six quarters they've played. Um, For all that attention... People aren't focusing enough that the Packers' defense has to come to the party and come back to the party in a hurry to help them out. The good news for them, they're playing the Commanders. And we've seen the Commanders' offense and the inability of that in you know various guises at various times. We are expecting Heineke to play. Uh, commanders have already given up on him a couple of times and not given him the starting gig. So unfortunately, they've already indicated their feelings on him. Um, and whilst there is talent in 
they come out in Washington. Uh, poor Ron Rivera and all of that staff are still dealing with the stench uh, coming from the ownership layer. And we've said it before on this show, lot, you know, there are a lot of things that matter for an, uh, an NFL team. Of course, coaching matters. Of course, special teams matter. But you know what? Ownership matters as well. And what the players have to deal with, what they have to deal with in the press, what they have to deal with in terms of the atmosphere, the environment, all the sports staff, like that matters just as much as well. Um, for that reason, it's a great matchup for Green Bay to get back on track, although we said the same last week and we said the same the week before. Um, but I can't see past the Packers writing the ship somewhat and hopefully getting back to a bit more consistency from their perspective. Packers. Commanders. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm off. Jesus. Like, lads. That was more than one word, Michael. Just give me 10 seconds. Tyler Heineke had a great game in Green Bay last year and should have won the game if it wasn't for a fumble on the, the one-yard line. He went up and down the field on that night. Um, he's going to do the same on Sunday. Can you send me what you're smoking? Because I actually need it now. Please. I don't need smoking. Just go and watch the footage last year. Talking about game. smoking, I was going to say Joe Rogan as my pick, uh, Packers. Thank you. For, that was a fun session. Um we're going from fun to another. I actually would have loved to have a full discussion about the uh, the Lions Cowboys game. And I'm sorry, Brian, we didn't mention that in the betting podcast. That's going to go over, 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 over. More than forty five points. You heard it here first, folks. Bet responsibly. Uh-oh, uh, four, points. four and two Jets uh, going to Mile High, playing the two and four Broncos. Um, I guess at the time we're recording, we're not actually sure if Russell Wilson will fully play or not. Um, after that subway video, I hope he doesn't. There's a new one tonight. Check it out in my Twitter account for the engagements and interactions. Colin, what's your thoughts on this game? Jets had a, a fantastic performance on both sides of the ball last week, mainly their defense. But Sauce Gardner um, enjoys his cheese. Yeah, Jets have been a um, young, young team, very impressive. And um, they... For for me, I suppose for for them, it's going to probably come down to the run game. Um, the the Broncos' defense has been very good, other than that Raiders game, and uh, Zach Wilson doesn't tend to like playing under pressure. So I imagine you'll see plenty of pressure come on him. Look for for the Broncos. Um, when James Palmer tweeted earlier, the Broncos have seven offensive touchdowns. That puts them in a three way tie with Nick Chubb and Travis Kelsey. When even James Palmer is is taking the mick out of you, you are the laughing stock across the league. People are saying that the Broncos should be banned from prime time. When your running back sulks on the sideline, I, and then you find out afterwards that no one even had decided to have a conversation with him to tell him that he wouldn't play in the second half. He starts liking tweets about being traded. And then your coach goes up to the podium and says, oh, he's going to start this week. When your Q- QB has a very real injury that's causing very real pain, but then your offensive coordinator um, gets to the podium and says, well, we're preparing um, Russell Wilson, Brett Rippon, and Josh Johnson. Um, so we're preparing all three. Great. But apparently he hasn't left the facility. This is the offensive coordinator. This is the alpha male stuff. He hasn't left the facility. He has slept in the facility. And he takes pride in the fact that he hasn't seen his family this week. I do not know what's going on in Denver. It is somebody needs to take hold of things because um, that is... In, in, I, 
we are back in the Vance Joseph era of when a microphone is put in front of a member of the coaching staff, it is becoming increasingly embarrassing. Um, it is I cannot pick the Broncos this this week, though I do think they actually match up quite well against the Jets, but I can't do it. The Jets should, and the expectation for Jets fans should be that you go in to Mile High on Sunday and you turn over the Broncos. Jeez, sorry, I was just be shocked there. Um, sorry to all the podcast listeners for the soothing ASMR North Dublin tones. Um, Zach Wilson had 10 completions in the entirety of the game last week. Um, the Jets are playing a, a particular offense where they just don't want him to make any mistakes or mess up because they're so reliant on such a strong defense. Um, to win the game for them and for large parts of the game that was the same way in which it played out last week and the week prior to that because well, the Dolphins put up 17 points and they blew them away in the, in the fourth quarter with three touchdowns in fairness they got, the game got away from the Dolphins but this, this season is very much around the Jets defence and how strong they are and Quinlan Williams having a fantastic season two sacks last week but the Broncos defence despite all the stuff that Collins alluded to all the, the background noise and all the stuff about Russell Wilson Consistently, the Broncos' defense has played really well this season, with the exception of the game in Vegas. And they played really well on Monday night. Herbert's highest completion um, was 24 yards, 22 yards to, to Williams, and he threw 57 times throughout the course of the game. They held him in check for large parts, and they really, on a better day, Broncos offensively should have won the game. And I think that's what will happen on Sunday. I think they'll, they'll stop this Jets' defense, and then it's very much around can the Broncos put enough drives together to win the game? They have to this week. This is we're getting to the last chance to learn there for the season. And I think they will. I think they'll find a way to get it done. And uh they'll address the the flaws. And I keep I keep trying to do it, trusting them. I didn't trust them on Monday because I felt the Jags sorry, the Chargers offense would be very good. It wasn't. And they still lost the game, but I think they'll win the game on Sunday in my life against the Jets. So low scoring game, Broncos to come out the right side of it. Maybe a field goal win. Uh, this is two of the best defenses in the NFL. Like, they're both serious units. I think, you know, the first half of the Seattle game was a a low spot for Denver uh, when they started the season, but they've been extremely impressive since then. Um, Justin Simmons coming back into the lineup as well has even raised it to another level. And like Brian said, like, they shut down the Chargers, who are still one of the better offenses in the league. The one thing I don't want to do, though, is dismiss the Jets' offense. The Jets actually have been very impressive, especially when the game matters its most. They've had five turnovers in the fourth quarter uh, on the defensive side, which we are all very impressed by, but they've actually outscored opponents 68-20 in the fourth quarter. They've put points on the board when it's really mattered. And yes, can you trust Zach Wilson? There's a fine question for you, and I would not be um, putting my life's, uh, you know, uh, earnings on him but Brees Hall and that running game has been impressive they have more talent they have been protecting their quarterback god forbid that's a weird scenario I mean they even made Joe Flacco look good earlier on this season so this ain't you know used to say like this ain't your daddy's Jets like this isn't even our Jets guys again like I said about the Giants this isn't the Jets that we remember for the last decade frankly uh, ever since Rex Ryan left the building um, this team is actually Good. God, that feels weird to say, but they're good. They're four and two. They're they're right there. They're in a wild card slot. They're right up there with the Bills. They've overtaken Dolphins and they probably um have and they have every right to be there. So whilst I have every respect for the for the 
Broncos defense, they've had to be that good because the offense is the worst in the league. It's the least points scored in the entire league. So they've had to make up for the mess that's been created. And frankly, I just trust the Jets. And I can't say I'm saying these words. I trust the Jets offense more than I trust the Broncos offense. And I rate it a roughly a draw on defense. So with that, I'm going to say that <laughs> the following week, we're going to have the two and five Jacksonville Jaguars coming to London to play the two and five Denver Broncos when the New York Jets win this weekend. I've said a few times uh, over the last few weeks about how good it is to see Robert Sala do so well and they've given the time to embed himself in that team and it's only going to get better and better. And we've seen last week when I, when I was talking about the offensive situations and how well he done in Green Bay, I meant the run. Brees Hall had more rushing yards than every running back for the Packers last week put together. Uh, and the confidence that they had, even though Zach Wilson didn't do incredibly well, they still still got the win. And the defense looks legit. I think that's one element of it. Um, I think I think the thing for the Broncos is I I had said on Monday night that I expect a blowout to come. I, I thought it would have been against the Chargers, but the, the this defense can only take you so long. Um, the column has mentioned a few factors there, but certain players, certain situations. Um, a blue eye is coming whether it's this week or next week um you know the defense can be credited for playing very well that that's great but it's not going to win you anything unless you can actually score points uh, i think the more concerning thing is outside of this game their head coach doesn't understand the basic rules of football doesn't understand x noses doesn't understand how to count and i think that's a major factor i am of the belief and i'm i'm putting it now on record that um, I believe the Jets will win on Sunday in a low-scoring game, probably like nineteen to ten or nineteen to twelve, uh, and I and I I really feel that Hackett will lose his job after London. I I think you know he was brought in prior to the ownership situation taking over. They have spent a considerable amount of money and uh, revamped their franchise on a quarterback, which is not working yet. And all you have to do is just look at the situation in Seattle and look at the ways in which Russell Wilson was allowed to control his offense. And if you need to, in terms of trading the free agents, bring someone in. Do whatever you need to do. They're not doing that. And as a result, Hackett will lose his job sooner rather than later. And I mean, they're lucky that the Raiders are 1-4. But yeah, in terms of the Jets, like you you got you got to give them props. They've been enjoyable to watch on the defense side of the ball especially. And uh, they'll win this week, no problem at all. I do believe as well the Jaguars will win next week, but I'm giving everyone a warning because I'm not sure who will be on the broadcast next week. I'll pick the Jaguars so I don't get lynched in person. Sorry, I'll pick the Broncos so I don't get lynched in person next week, but I still don't think they'll win. Um, very disappointing on a personal side but as a professional side here uh, the Jets will walk over them on Sunday not a like lock of the week for me printing lock of the week I can't remember the last time the Jets were also were, were picked by three of the four people on this show I don't think I think it's happened. like it's like it's obvious after watching what they done to the Packers last week I mean the Packers main problem is Rodgers can't get the ball down the field and look what their defence done regardless so, Michael I think it's a great day for the Garden State that, you know, New Jersey has both its teams doing so well again. So it's delightful to see. And we've a lot of Jets fans giving us golf online. I don't want to hear one person now saying a negative about my picks in terms of the Jets. The one thing the Broncos can do when they get it right is get the ball down the field. Jerry Judy's had four games in a row, 50 plus yards. Cortland Sutton gets himself available. The players are there. The players are getting, getting themselves in position. But they can't score. Like they can get the ball down to the red zone, but they can't score. Anyway, 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 I 
would like to publicly apologize for not including the Raiders on the quick fire round. I think that's really, really rude of me. So we'll do a quick, quick fire bonus podcast segment here. Uh, the Raiders, who are sitting one and four um, in the AFC West, are probably looking at that Jets game and licking their lips, thinking, happy days. Because if they lose now, they're going to try and move up. Um, and f- fair play, they're, they're only three games back from having a an even record. Uh, the thing for the Texans so far this season is um, Davis Mills has played five games. He has a 62% completion rate and he has had four interceptions. Another rookie quarterback or young quarterback in the league has had four interceptions is Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett's got a 66.5% um, completion rate. So I have to give it to Kenny. He's doing better in terms of the, of the stats there, even if he did get concussed a couple of times. Pierce is the main positive for this Texans team, but this is a Texans team in a massive, massive building mode. They won't give Lovey Smith the time, unfortunately, I, I feel. Um, but you know me and brian talked about it on the uh betting podcast this week which is available now on the podcast network if you want to listen to it uh please do feel free to it's a bit of crack that's this is a game in which the raiders should potentially try and get down the field and score a lot of points you got josh jacobs Devontae adams and they need to try and try and get these guys down to score at least 14 to 21 to 28 points to defeat this texans team and defeat them well and i feel that our performance is coming for the raiders i'm gonna pick the raiders column Raiders. Raiders. Say Texans. Say Texans. Raiders. Okay. I was waiting for like a Commanders esque Texans pick there from, from from Mark, but not coming. No one. No one's okay. Uh, okay. Right. What's next? Um, Chargers. Seattle. Ah. Seattle against the Chargers. Um, Geno Smith pair executive producer's notes is the second highest rated quarterback in the league what a season it's been hmm what a season it's been uh where where do you even go from that stat call geno smith is the second highest rated quarterback in the league um 64.5 percent completion rate and he's the second highest quarterback in the league yeah, he's that, been yeah. he's been fantastic through the the first six weeks. He's been amazing, and if you want on on the other side of things, talk about a comparison. Uh, Tariq Woolen taken in the the fifth round has been phenomenal. I, you could I, I, through the first six weeks, and there's time to go, but he's he's playing at like sauce sauces level in terms of for for a rookie cornerback. He's been brilliant, and if you were to compare that to the the now look, I say this. Uh, with um, you know the caveat, I am a Broncos fan. Recognize the Russell Wilson contract and trade, but my goodness, J.C. Jackson, Bill Belichick has done it again. He turned an average quarterback into an amazing stud asset. Got him absolutely paid, and he went elsewhere. If I mean Brian talks about the, the Broncos being able to move the the ball down the field. If J.C. Jackson hadn't been on the field, um the other night it wouldn't have happened he he was an absolute liability it was incredible he looked like he'd never played football before he he looked more uncomfortable under the high ball than patrice ever on his debut against man city when he got pulled at half time it was phenomenal and the chargers have somehow got to figure that out i I think the Chargers have some really nice pieces. I think injuries have taken their toll. I said it. I don't believe Mike Williams is WR1. 
I, I don't believe he is. I think he's he'd be fine if he was WR2. I don't think they have a speed threat. Um, I think Justin Herbert is a fantastic uh, QB, but I don't think they have the, the weapons around him. Seattle have absolutely coalesced around the Russell Wilson leaving. Their their draft class has been brilliant in terms of the the tackles. Um they they will like their defense still has issues, undoubtedly. I just don't think the Chargers right now are in a position to take advantage of that. And I'm going to say that for this week, the Seahawks roll on and they get the, the victory over the Chargers. Oh, God, Colin, that'd be up to four wins and we'd only have another five to go to hit the bullseye number nine target. Um, so I got distracted when you were talking about that because Elijah Moore of the Jets wide receiver, second year in the, second year in the league, has asked for a trade to see him from the Jets. He's not happy with the offense. Um, anyway, back to this one. Uh, Kenneth Walker as well. Great. Um, I'm sure if you got into him, Colin, the, the running back who's stepped in, you know, stepped in after the serious injury to to uh, Penny. He's gone for the season. He had a great. He scored a touchdown last week. Touchdown the week before that. 110 yards combined last week. Again, another great selection by by this uh, this uh, Seattle team that are all riding around the head coach and. A lot of points proven. They're saying now that Geno Smith is going to be the highly sought after free agent uh, as quarterback next offseason if he's made available. Um, they're saying, but Seattle will make sure he's locked down for the future because he is their future. But I am going to side against Colin this uh, as, well, as much as I would like to see the Seahawks win. So I, we do hit that magical nine number. Um, I think the Chargers um, are going up against a defense that, yeah, there is some bright spots on this defense here, such as Wooten and other players who are doing really well, but overall, collectively, when it comes to playing games against expansive offences, they can't match, they don't match up well. We saw against the Falcons at home, they struggled, they lost the game. I think it's the same scenario this weekend. Chargers to roll on and get another win this weekend. Yeah, Michael, I, I've said this to Colin, but you know, I, I think there's an angle here for Denver because I do worry with Russell Wilson being injured if you've got sufficient quality at the backup quarterback position. And now Seattle were kind of set with Geno Smith and everything, I really think they should reach out and see if they'll trade their backup quarterback to Denver to help them. Do you want um, to stay on this broadcast? Drew something or other. Um, Do you want to stay on this broadcast? <laughs> Strike two. Keep going, keep going. Keep going. Anyway, We're previewing the Seattle Seahawks on the, the LA Chargers. And, and, and hopefully, hopefully, Mark, you're going to talk about the Seattle defense because I'm still waiting here. Please. Oh, no, no. I'm going to talk about actually about the Chargers defense for a second because... Column is absolutely right in his analysis of JC Jackson. I mean, let's put it, the last He's game the Chargers played, Damari Mathis started to lead the lead in pass interference penalties in just one game, and he still wasn't the worst cornerback on the field because JC Jackson had an absolute mare. Um, that isn't why he got paid squillions of millions uh, to, to come into the Chargers and, and firm them up. Um, so that is a serious concern, especially with some of the other injuries and the other people they're missing. However, I just can't see past how bad that Seattle defense is. I mean, they're entertaining, don't get me wrong. I think, you know, them, the Lions and the Falcons are going to be our red zone teams of the century uh, generally, but especially even this year, there's always going to be a bit of entertainment at red zone when we get into the witching hour, when they're trying to make a illogical comeback or just, you know, give up massive touchdowns or score long, long range touchdowns. Um, but, Look, Austin Eckler's still there. He's the first player, I think, to get 
uh, second player in NFL history to have 25 receiving, 25 rushing touchdowns in his first six seasons. Um, he is that dual threat. They do have a speed issue, but there's enough talent, there's enough quality in that Chargers offense to take advantage of this Seattle defense, even though uh, it is in Lumen Field, isn't it? It's up uh, in Seattle, isn't it? Or am I... No, it's Inglewood. So actually, oh, well, there's no such thing as a Chargers home game anyway. So it's all going to be Seattle fans there, let's be fair. Um, But uh, yeah, I just can't see past that. I can't see past that defense being exploited. So I've still got the Chargers to take Seattle this week. Although I see where Colin's going with it. There's logic. There's logic. It's just, I'm stuck. Chargers. He's wearing the shirt. I'm wearing the shirt. Um, yeah that was actually quite alarming on, on Monday night that was the one takeaway I actually took from the game that didn't depress me that um, never mind the amount of orange and white jerseys and they were all Broncos jerseys in the crowd the amount of empty seats in that stadium was alarming and we can sit here and say it was 5 o'clock on Monday lots of traffic but we seen it with our own eyes in February they had a Chargers pep rally the night before the Super Bowl in Santa Monica, which is a 45-minute drive west. Um, that team should not be in that city. That's a different conversation for a different broadcast. But luckily for them, they're going up against a Seahawks defense that has been in the bottom five of total defense all season. They see just, you know, 411 total yards per game. Um, they're the third worst in the NFL because they let in over 27 points a game. And they're going up against the Phenom in Justin Herbert on Sunday I mean it's great that Gino's done well uh, that's great I think they're yeah they're averaging about 24 points a game the Chargers get over 30 in this game they'll win this game comfortably um, I, I really feel like this is the week where teams start to fall and this is the, one of the teams that will the Seahawks will start to go down a bit they've done a very good job so far they've done a lot better than I think a lot of people thought but they're lucky in the sense that the NFC West is surprisingly absolute dirt and we're going to talk about the NFC West now because we're going to talk about the Niners. And the Niners are hosting the Chiefs at SoFi North, or sorry, Levi Stadium. And uh, a lot of Niners fans had a fun time at their meetup in Leeds last week. There was a few Irish lads went over to that, so it had a really, really good time. And I know the Niners sent us some photos and Mark is heading over to the Bay Area soon to get some Bay Area sunshine. Uh, Colin, bye week for the Niners? Because they've got more injuries in Craig Alvin area hospital up here at the minute. Uh, they they do though. Apparently, they have um, players coming back, and um, Trent Williams and Nick Bosa were participants in training today. Um, whether we will actually see them on the field is uh, another question, and that that's a, a big problem for the Niners. I think last week they had seven starters out on on defense. Um, but the the issue for for them is they're going up against a, a Chiefs team with Andy Reid, who hasn't lost consecutive games since twenty fifteen. Um, there's also the fact that Kyle Shannon is zero and two against the Chiefs, and multi millionaire um, male model quarterback extraordinaire James Garoppolo is zero and three against the the Chiefs. And I do not believe that is changing this weekend because the Niners are too beat up. 
and I think that the Chiefs are going to get the the victory. And looking at it right now, it is very difficult to, to look beyond the Bills and the Chiefs in the AFC. Uh, all the talk is about this 49ers defense, whether you know they've been very strong, the number one ranked in the league, but it's the severity of the team in terms of all the injuries. But offensively this season, they've been very stop start. I don't call him on the show your day was talking about Jimmy's performance on Monday where he threw two two picks in Atlanta. But even like for where we saw Debo Samuel in the playoffs last year where he's so dynamic, he's I wouldn't say he's fallen off the cliff, but his numbers are so low this season. He's only had three touchdowns this season, three hundred and forty five yards reception. He's only ran for hundred and twenty six yards. From what we saw of him last year and all the talk in the offseason about how much of a dual threat he is, if he's not doing things and Kittle essentially now to turn him into a, a blocking tight end he's not the player we were seeing last year stretching the field down the middle allowing for the players in the perimeter and Ayak Ayak had a good game last weekend but we haven't seen enough out of this team and that's also where I think the, this game is going to come down to who can who can put up most points Mahomes has thrown 17 touchdowns this season already four picks Jimmy G has, Jimmy G has thrown seven Either, and they're struggling with running backs to injuries they're playing guys uh, they brought in Marlon Mack recently. He's been released. They're just trying to get the right blend in, running back to kind of complement the, the uh, offense in terms of having a passing game. Don't see how it's going to fit on Sunday. I think the Chiefs will rebound very well off last weekend's difficult defeat, and I think it's a bit of a blowout game to be honest. I think the Chiefs will come back and win very well. So, Michael, I was actually due to be in Santa Clara this week and plans changed. And, you know, there's a good side and a bad side to everything. The good side but is you, it is you, nice you to be You remain faithful to the Bay, Mark. I, I will always remain faithful to the Bay. But, like, um, the good side is at least I'm in the same time zone for four consecutive days, which I haven't been able to say very often last while. And the bad side, however, is if I was over there, it wouldn't just be like it give you an update report from training, like, as to who's practicing or not. I might actually get a trial. Uh, they're, they're that injured and they're that banged up, especially on defense. If the 49ers were at full strength, I would give them a chance in this game because I think their defense and the defensive scheme play too high, try to limit uh, Mahomes' capabilities, could work, get pressure on the interior. It could work. And on offense, yes, they've been very sporadic. They're teeing off on them basically on first and second down teams because they know and they don't fear Jimmy in any way, shape, or form. He's not going to get out of the pocket. They don't fear his arm necessarily. And that's why they've had to keep Kittle in. That's why, yeah, Ayuk had a great game last week, actually. But um, it is not the standard Kyle Shanahan D offense where you could be attacked from any angle. Uh, they seem to get one good drive together, good low scripted plays, defenses adapt. Jimmy or Kyle, whatever way you want, the, the offense doesn't adapt and is able to adjust to it. Uh, it is far too stop-start and inconsistent. And yes, Trent Williams being out and injuries, but they're the, they're a mass unit. They're you know casualty. They're ER. Whatever analogy works. I mean, who was Grey's it I said mash to? House. And they looked at me like I was lost. Yeah, house. Yeah, kind of. Um, Grey's Anatomy. I like that's a good one. They're too injured. I mean, at what point? Actually, genuine question. At what point do John Lynch and Carl Shanahan revisit from top to bottom their strength and conditioning team? And their strength and condition approach because this is not the first year they've had this in San Francisco. I mean, it depends on the injuries, but some of these are conditioning injuries, so that's excessive in 49ers land for a couple of reasons. Um, look, as I say, with this game, they're too banged up, they've been too inconsistent. They were my Super Bowl pick, I've still got to stick with that, and I think they'll come better as people come back. But 
they're not going to beat the Chiefs this weekend. Chiefs all the way. I think the, I think the thing they've got going for them is they could go to uh, Barbados for a month and turn their phones off and come back and still have a chance to get into the wild card in the NFC. <laughs> That's what they have going for them at the minute. I think with Mahomes, he'll be haunted last week with that last play. You can see it in his face. Um, the whole world was watching. And he bottled it. Bottled it twice in the game, but bottled it at the biggest moment. And it shows you the evolution of the Bills that they believed in them. We talked about this on Monday. They believed in themselves that they could go down scoring. Come you on, Patrick. Come you on. And they got the better of him. And it's going to be interesting. Like, please, God, we get the chance to uh, to see that game again. At some point, I, I will pray this weekend if I make it to Mass uh, to potentially see that happen. And that's where my analysis of the Chiefs stops. Um, well, Travis Kelsey's the highest touchdown scorer in the league. Great. Uh, Juju done well last week. I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, Arik Am- Armstead, Samson, Ekbuman, Talo- Talanoa, Hafanga, McGlinchey and Shavarius Ward haven't practiced yet. And we can all sit here and say that Drake Jackson, Nick Bosa, Jason Verrett and Jimmy Ward, who's playing apparently with a cast, are back at practice but how fit are they? You know, how fit is Dak Prescott? We can talk about that on Monday when we see what the result is. I actually genuinely think they should rest the whole team and take the week off. They're wasting their time. And frankly, they're mismanaging their team if they go in there and try to win this game properly on Sunday because they haven't got a chance with all those injuries. Um, they might put up 14 to 21 points, but the Chiefs will have a day. Um, if they are at a point like last week where they're down considerably against a team like the Falcons, never mind the Chiefs, uh, Mr. Shanahan and Mr. Lynch should get on the phone and say, pull Jimmy, pull the starters and take the week off because they're wasting their time. Because realistically, where they are now in that division, they have a hell of a chance whether they win this week or not. And also, and one thing I we should I don't know if we'd said this, Brian, on the Batten podcast. Sorry for bringing this up, but we spent a lot of time researching this, as you can imagine. Uh, the Chiefs are only two and a half in the handicap. I mean, Very I don't low. want to start going Sean Quinn Anglo Irish situation, put the house on it, but you know that could be a talking point uh, next week. Sorry to everyone in Calvin. Let's talk about Sunday night football: Steelers against the Dolphins. Um, <laughs> Colin, why is this game Sunday night football? Are you watching this game? Because I now work on the league full time and I'm not watching this game no chance no chance in hell tell me why I should watch this game on Sunday well none of us none of us gave the Steelers a prayer last year uh, or last year last week uh, against the the box and um, they they went and, and did it and that's the beauty of this league that's why I don't think you can ever count anybody out because time and time again we have seen surprises um, yeah, I, I imagine, um, you know, when I suppose T, when the TV schedulers look at it at the start, um, I mean, I'm sure they probably wish they could make changes earlier, perhaps. But you're talking about two storied franchises and and you're talking about a number, a number of storylines uh, here. Uh, you have Brian Flores going back to to uh, Miami and all that surrounds that um you know ev- everything he said um the league the league investigation agreed with apart um from the uh, tanking allegations definitely definitely nothing there nothing in any way shape or form league looked into it 
fine you can see the findings um there there's also the fact that minka fitzpatrick is going back there um and there's also the fact that the dolphins are using this opportunity as they are in prime time to honor the one team the one team mark who did have a perfect season uh the 72 uh dolphins the interesting thing, I suppose, last games wasn't it? Was it last games? Few, fewer games, yes. Fewer uh, there games. Weren't, there weren't as many. There weren't as many um, team, I, I'm teams. I'm actually backing back Mark up here for a second. I mean, f- f- fewer games. Well, uh, and, and, and and how many teams did they play with a winning record during that entire season? <laughs> oh, here here we go. You in the Super Bowl. In, in the Super Bowl. That was what's it. in front of you. You can only beat what's in front. Commanders, of you. Calvin. 1972 let's keep going the there's there's a i suppose uh, been some talk this week around the mike shanahan tree um or the sean McVay tree or whichever you want to way you want to look at it but the struggles of of those offenses right like the 49ers have, have struggled offensively. The Rams have struggled offensively. The Packers have struggled offensively. The Broncos have, my God, struggled offensively. Um, and some of that, I suppose, is the way in which the league has evolved, the way in which it has gone to the the cover to the, the two-high shell, whatever way you want to, to term it, but essentially taking away the deep pass and forcing teams to go down the field, right? Take what's underneath, forcing you instead of going down the field and maybe eight or nine plays, that it's going to be 16 plays. And they figure that there's more opportunities for takeaways, there's more opportunities for mistakes, there's more opportunities for their pass rushers and so on and so so forth. And that's some of what led to um, the, you know, um, fewer points, less passing, et cetera, et cetera, as as teams try and react to that. And that will be interesting to see what happens. But... The Dolphins um, under Mike McDaniel when Tua was in there were maybe the the exception to the rule because they were so exciting. But then Tua got injured. Um, you know, remember with the the back injury that what, that seems to have you know again the the league. But we don't need to look into that. We threw some contractor under the bus and everyone else was totally fine and did everything proper and correct. Um, but Tua is. Kenny Pickett has been able to practice two days this week, even though Teddy Bridgewater, who was taken out, but again, didn't have a concussion, had to sit out. So there's all sorts of interesting stuff happening around that. Ultimately, if Tua is back, the the Dolphins need a performance. The Dolphins should win this. But could Magical Mike Tomlin work work it again and the Steelers get a victory? Absolutely. But I'm going to say it's the Dolphins. I think Columns wrapped this game up. What are we? So, I'm joking. I'm joking. So, um, <clears throat> Michael, you did ask. I know Colin's kind of alluded to it. You asked why this game is on Sunday night football because the league have, have come out and confirmed that they wanted it as a standalone game to allow the Dolphins to commemorate the 50 years since they were went the unbeaten season. And it also would explain why the Eagles are on a bye week this week because they're the nearest team we've seen to the 72 Dolphins. So obviously they want to be able to celebrate as well. They we're might on a broad, them, we, we, we have they, to they remain impartial here, They Brian. might even invite them yeah. down to the game, you know, if they, if some of them are down. <laughs> Jesus South Christ, I mean, the Bills are on a bye week, man. Come on. Yeah, I know, but Come the Bills on. haven't been compared to the 1972 Dolphins on this show. Uh, the Eagles have. Who, um, please, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Who on this show has compared them to the 1970? Come on. You said there's a, it's, it's very likely that they'll go unbeaten this season. You went through about no, a week ago. No, I said they could go unbeaten if they get past oh. November. That's what I said. 
I never get, in any if they get past I never in, I never in any sentence compared them to the 1972 Dolphins now how the, many the, games did they play in 1972 12 14 was it 14. 14 okay well if they win 14 games we can start having the conversation I never once said that about them I'm, I'm high up in them because I've actually sat and watched them play like we all have let's let's you know let's let's not spread fake news all right hashtag fake news and um, let's talk about the game on Sunday the Dolphins against the Steelers which I'm to, not to, looking forward to I, I'm looking forward to seeing Tua um, I don't think Tua will be back in this game and if there's any um, doubt around his fitness and his health um, when he was playing he and he was in good fettle and he was fit he was we, we were enjoying watching a, a very expansive uh, Dolphins offence I think we'll see that on Sunday um, I can't see how the Steelers can live with this Dolphins team if Tua is on his game um, I expect a comfortable win Um for the Dolphins team to celebrate the night that's in it with the 72 team coming back and a few birdies in, in the background. Okay, so the 72 Dolphins team won 14 regular season games, three How old are you? postseason Mark, games. Did you graduate by then or were you in the... No, no, no. I was, no. I was you know, um, <laughs> I was just coming into uh, my, my first job, Michael, at that point. But uh, they were 17 and 0. Um, there's only one team that's ever gone 18 and 0, Brian, but uh, we both know who that is. Um, uh, we just won't say what happened in the 19th game. So uh, the 72 Dolphins, I mean, probably I did them a disservice. I think they beat more than, there was more than one team with a winning record that they played that year, but they had a very, very weak schedule. But they are still the only unbeaten team. It is only right and proper that the league acknowledges it. That no-name defense and Don Shula coaching that team, only one team's ever achieved it. And, like, again, achieved it over the 100-year history of the NFL, not just the Super Bowl era. So, uh, fair, well, definitely over the Super Bowl era. I don't think anybody did it before. Super I know. Bowl, are but... we counting the 100-year thing? I mean, like, me and Colin could have suited up for some of these lads. Like, I mean... <laughs> like, <laughs> well, Super Bowl era, and we've had enough of them. Fifty-five of them. Um, fair play, Dolphins. You absolutely have done it. You absolutely deserve to reflect on it. You absolutely should also remember it's nearly forty years since you've actually been in a Super Bowl as well, and you wasted the best years of Dan Marino's career. Um, but all well and good. You've got an exciting offense. You've got Jalen Waddle. You've got Taysom um, Taysom Hill, <laughs> Tyree Kill. Um, and thank God you got Tua back, and we hope he's all well and good. Um, Steelers deserve a lot of credit for last week, sealing the game, especially when Trubisky came in and sealed the game with a third and 11, the third and 16, I want to say. Or it was like two long third down conversions to really seal up that game. Uh, that took guts, and that took um, some great throws. Um, but I think for... You know, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm neutral when it comes to Dolphins, but I think everybody wants to see Tua come back to form. They want to see that exciting Dolphins offense we saw in a couple of weeks, especially in that Baltimore game. And for that reason, let's go with the Dolphins to bounce back, uh, give us a bit of excitement on Sunday night. And if we're talking about history, bit of excitement celebrating the 50th team before Monday night football when Bill Belichick goes past George Hallis for second all-time in terms of total coaching wins. So we rounded out with a bit of history there. Mark, Mark giving away his pick for Monday. I actually feel that, and I should have said this last Thursday as well, I don't think it merits a pick this game on Monday. That's how poor the game is. I mean, the Patriots will win, but there's my pick. Um, it can't I don't, be as bad as Thursday I, I, night football, Michael. Huh? It can't huh? be as bad as Thursday night football. Oh, I think it will be. Bill, Be- Bill Belichick spoke about how good the Bears are for seven minutes. Yeah. The longer Bill Belichick speaks about a player or a team and praises them, 
the, the more you know that he is being completely disingenuous I think the seven minutes might be a record I have uh, been getting a lot of hate from Dolphins fans recently uh, on comments does, does anyone on, like on, you? Like, here's the thing here's the thing I don't care I like everyone if people like me that's honestly 100% couldn't care less but I appreciate everyone that listens and watches to this broadcast um, really means an awful lot probably too much but you know thank, thanks everybody and girl me Margo um, no just people saying like oh you're very down in the Dolphins I'm down in the Dolphins because of what happened with Tua and we had an argument about this both off and on screen I've had an argument with different people about this very passionately you know somebody it was a like UCOM said there now about Tua you know they wouldn't put him on or we hope he's alright I hope he's alright as well no, that's all I'm going to say on that I, 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 I think there are all sorts of questions that to be answered but they absolutely will and it'll all come out on a cold Tuesday night in March next year when nobody cares less and that's the problem that being said let's, let, let's look at this game Um two elements the first element is this when you have Jalen Waddle on the field when you have Tyreek Hill in the field when you have all those players even behind him even River Craycraft on the field they have to try and double team someone this offense before people start saying and being biased against the Eagles this offense is unstoppable when Tua is in form of these wide receiver cores they if they find a way over the next 13 14 weeks to get it going every week they could go all the way to arizona and maybe play the eagles or somebody else in the super bowl that won't happen because they can't protect their quarterback and to a maybe maybe hypothetically we have no association with the nfl and we have no idea what the current situation is health-wise and we don't know what to is like uh hopefully please jesus he's all right but for me you know uh they'll win this game more than comfortably and uh, who's starting the quarterback for the Steelers is, is it Mitch with the whole concussion situation with Kenny or do, are we not sure no, at the time we're recording like Kenny's going to play he's Kenny's going to play Kenny uh, four interceptions in his first three games 66% completion percentage rate it's not bad I mean they have to fire him in they have to give him one to two years I mean we, we were talking to people in Pittsburgh this week they're very high up on him and they want to give him a chance and I think that's the respectable thing to do to give him time I mean is it the answer we won't know until the end of uh, 2024 the, the main thing is after the late windows open I'm going to watch the season finale of Bloodlands with James Nesbitt and I can't wait to watch that and I'll not be watching this and uh, if anyone spoils it for me there will be no graphics I'll never be on this on this show ever again and James Nesbitt would play a good Bill Belichick I'm going to leave it there I gave up on that problem a few weeks back uh, Dolphins are going to win and I can't believe he gave up on Bloodlands Mer- great Mer- show Mark, can I make a quick point? We didn't get a chance to discuss another quarterback in the Florida area uh, who today said he's no intention of retiring, Mr. Brady. Um, I don't know if anybody saw his press conference this evening where the guy asked the question at the end of the fact that he goes, so when you, when you retire at the end of the season, he went, I'm not retiring. Which is great to see. I hope he plays on. I genuinely, and I mean, I will we'll give the bandwagon box fan at the bottom here a wee chance to chat in about five seconds. I don't think he merits the talk of the day. Let, well, let him just, let him have his moment on a press conference. Meh, meh, meh. He'll be gone in March, or he'll go to Miami. Willie Frigg. If I'm Miami, yeah. and I'm Mike McDaniel, I'm keeping two in hundred percent. I mean, 
Brian, I mean, Michael makes a great point. We should never talk about a seven-time Super Bowl winner. We should talk a little bit more about Russell Wilson. Um, but no, I the, mean, not uh, on a, on a reality... show for week six is what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> the, the reality is, as well, uh, just when we're talking about the Dolphins, we're talking about Tua. You mentioned Kenny Pickett. Michael, I want to keep saying that the uh, Steelers' offensive line has seen too many episodes of South Park with Kenny Pickett's in, and they're acting like Stan Marsh and Eric Cartman. And uh, when they look around, seeing him in another crumpled heap, they're going, oh, my God, they killed Kenny. Um, but I, for his safety, I hope that that offensive line decides to protect him a little bit more and he also takes better care of the football. Um, be a good game. It'd be a good game. Brady's, Brady's biggest thing was actually having to apologize today because he compared uh, playing for an American football team to serving in the military. And he, stopped, he opened his press conference apologizing for that, saying, like, of course, I take the sacrifice made by the, uh, the armed services seriously, and I shouldn't have made that comparison. I was lazy in my use of words. So that was more if the only, bigger faux power, I thought, or the bigger story from it. Anyway, he wasn't... If only he wasn't lazy enough to turn up the train on last Friday on the walkthrough on Saturday. I'm going off to, thought, before we go, I'm going off to find out what this Kenny team's all about. No, I didn't know what Mark was on about there. Um, you're, Amanda, you're old. If you're saying that, you're old. Even I know what that is. Have a good oh, know, week. Enjoy I, I week six. Program. I know the programme. It's, it's very long programme. Good night. God bless. Lovely. Bye-bye. God bless. Good night. Good luck.